0: lock, and load. This is Steve Dace. The
1: Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand. Here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast, I'm Steve Dace with Aaron McIntyre and co-host Todd Erzin. You got a temporary promotion. Uh, Ricky at uh, Blaze texted me today, they're doing a story for the company on the book success. Yeah. And they're like, uh, what do you mean he's the show editor? That just would sound weird in, you know, is he like a show co-host? I'm like, no. He's the editor. I mean, you can put contributor. And then I thought about it. I thought, no. I mean, you are the co-author of a, the number one best-selling book in America right now. So I guess for a day, we will bestow upon you
0: the title of co-host. You know what it should have been. You, you've, you've earned it. Yes. It should have been Coattail Rider.
2: So I need to make one quick. Uh, it's the number one and two book in the country oh, right
1: now. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Um, because the reason we came up with show editor, by the way, in case you're wondering about Todd's title, is it was just a shorter way of saying his job is to tell me when I'm wrong. That That's essentially his job. I mean, there's other things you do around here. You book the show and stuff, but ultimately you were brought in to tell me when I'm full of it, basically, right?
0: When I think maybe early on, that was interpreted as maybe just make sure he doesn't go too far and then you yes. started complaining like i was constantly begging you to go too yeah. far
1: you became a very bad influence early <laughs> on in this relationship i'm very proud of that <laughs> yes. all right let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedays.com inbox steve at com is how you can email us that's d e a c e like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also check us out on the free speech alternatives to those platforms. Just look for Steve Dace on MeWe, Gab, at Steve Dace on Parlor. And if you want some free samples of the program to watch yourself and then hopefully share those clips with others, go to youtube.com stevedace Steve or rumble.com slash Steve Show. And, uh, yes, woke up this morning as Aaron just mentioned and, uh, uh, number one, we, we, I guess, um, slipped to number two and then number three at some point yesterday, but, uh, back again, number one, overall number one, best-selling book in America right now, um, is that book right there. I just, I don't even know what to say guys. I'm just speechless. Okay. Fauci and bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. And here's the thing folks. Oh, it's number two on Kindle. And our publisher, Post Hill Press, is like it's even it's, as hard as it is to get into the top ten overall in in a in a real in a in a print book. It's even harder with the Kindle. He says they say because of all the classics that are on there, the ninety-nine cent books that are on there. That it's it gets really random. Like if you look at the list that we are competing with on the print side versus the Kindle side, it's us versus Dean Koontz. I didn't know he was still around writing books. Remember him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's us versus Dean Koontz. He was kind of like the other guy next to Stephen King when we were growing up. It's us versus Dean Kuntz on the Kindle side. And on the print side, I mean, there's a statement being made. We, we have talked on this show the last few years over, are these things just mere coincidences or are they divine trolls? Is, is somebody speaking? Is, is it just like, wow, that's just like cosmic levels of serendipity? Or is it that those with ears to hear, let them hear, right? Of course. The top two selling print books in America right now are this book right there, Fauci and Bargain. And the book about the poem that was read at Joe Biden's inauguration. And they both came out the same day. And they're the top two best-selling books in the country. If that's not a portrait of the two Americas right there, I mean that. When I when I when I saw that this morning, that struck a chord with me right away. I mean these, and they're And if you look at the rest of the books too, they're the only two nonfiction books. Uh, the <clears throat> the rest of them are all children's books, Easter-oriented books. There's one particular bunny. That bunny's tough. That rabbit's right. dynamite. Yes, that that do not miss. There's, a, there's that one bunny book that will not go away. All right? And that that bunny, luckily I had the Tucker Carlson antidote for that bunny last night. We'll talk about that here in a minute too. But um, um, for those two books, and keep in mind, our book was not planned. Pardon the pun, since they're the people making our nefarious plot movie. The book was unplanned. We, we got a call out of the blue from the publisher of our nefarious book saying, hey, how quick could you put some of your best uh, content together? Let's see if we can drive a stake through Lord Fauci. We had no idea when the book would come out. It was all left open-ended. It, just, it, was, it was not like, hey, we had a target date. We had no target date. We had to get our content turned in by April 15th. And then there was the whole editing process and everything else. So we were thinking this thing wasn't coming out until May or June at the earliest. It just so happened that Todd did phenomenal work cataloging our content, made it so much easier for me to update it and turn it into a narrative from there. And we were able to get it out to you via paperback on on Tuesday. And that, that was just not timing we planned. And it just so happened to drop the same day as this other book. And it really is a stark portrait. Don't you think? Of the two different um ideologies philosophies worldviews that are clashing right now for for control and influence in America.
0: Oh, um I ha- I've had a humbling conversation with God about this already that hey um don't ever let me doubt anything again. I mean, my goodness, the degree of providence, right? That is at work right here is truly empowering remarkable uh I mean it, it gives you wings man you want to fight you just want to fight harder
1: and again um we're just now into the publicity phase of this we we got to number 1 because of you folks I mean the amount of of you that that just bought multiple copies came back and bought more copies to send to more people I mean this you know I was on our friend Jesse Kelly's show uh this morning and you know, we, we lost Rush a couple of weeks ago, wouldn't dare to put ourselves anywhere near his uh, area code. But for where we are in our corner of the world, this is, if you know the reference I'm going to make, this has been like a Dan's bake sale. We we had an idea and we had we had a loyal audience that took that idea way beyond the capabilities of anything we thought we could have possibly done on our own. And so to sit here as we open the show today, the number one book in the country, the number two book uh, in, in print, the number two book on Kindle, I, I'm just... We've got groups and organizations now uh, coming out of the woodwork to purchase this thing in bulk to distribute to their lists. Um, the House Freedom Caucus bought 5,000 copies of a nefarious... of a nefarious... of uh Faucian Bargain last night.
0: Um... remind us what moses says to his people when their backs are stand
1: still and wait for the salvation of the lord okay and you know we're sitting here putting this out holy week again we did not plan for this book to come out this week it just all just kind of fell together with a bunch of entities working independent of one another and um can i just tell you guys i'm having a lot of fun I'm having a lot of fun the way um, George Papard is Hannibal on the team when we were kids, you know, it's because it's a team effort making, making it go, making, making the plan happen. And then when it works and it goes down and everybody did their part, you know, and he lights up the cigar and he says, I love it when a plan comes together. Right. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel right now. I mean, this is, you know. This is like I'm, I'm riding the Hogwarts ride at Universal like over and over and over again. I'm just having a blast. Okay, When I got home last night and watched the Tucker Carlson clip, because I can't watch, I, you guys don't realize this, but I don't see him. Right? I'm looking only into a camera because I'm remote via satellite. So I, my, I come home and I watch it when I get back to the house. And I didn't know that he had this graphic up to introduce me. Patron Saint of Wuhan when I saw that graphic I'm in the middle of taking a drink of something and I almost did a spit take right there in my family room I I mean that's cheech and Chong level material right there I mean I I mean that was funny um I thought he handled it perfectly because he doesn't know me and it's a risk having me on hey you know his network just got sued for 1.6 billion dollars by Dominion right so he doesn't know if this Steve Deese guy is going to come on here and go all uh, Fauci uh, hand uh, engineered the virus, you know, and 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 he doesn't know that. And so you put me on at the end, so that you don't. That's less of a risk of me fault taking some rabbit trail that he's got to pay for later. Because dude, whatever scrutiny we face, times that by ten thousand, what Tucker Carlson is under every single day, right? Um, so I thought, he, and and plus the way that Fox does a show clock where there's no commercial, so we like led right into the Hannity audience. So we got that audience as well. We sold 150 Kindle books in the five minutes after that that episode aired in the in the first five minutes. Um, and uh, I didn't know that he he got a chuckle out of the Captain Trips reference because again I don't see him, you know, um, but. Um, we're just now kicking into the publicity phase of this. I, I did a hit with Newsmax right before we started the show. I've got a few other interviews today. I've got more tomorrow, including our good friend Daniel Horowitz, his podcast, which has a pretty solid listenership. Uh, more and more people are now calling. So I don't know. I, I I don't know that you dude. It's It's hard to be number one on a book platform with four million or whatever books it is, but. Uh, so who knows how long you're going to be uh, at the top of the Billboard chart there, but I don't think we're like, you know, I'm going to leave the charts like in a few days here. I think well, it's going to be I, around for a while. I think
2: if I can volunteer this, I think earlier this week you were number one after last night. Now you're number one with the shot, number one and number two, Broken America. That's what I meant. The Kindle yes. is is number two.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I'm just I'm I'm folks, I'm blown away, and I want to say this too, real quick the coolest notes I have received have been, I've got, I've I've gotten them on social. I've gotten them in emails, but from people from you, from you folks who are like, it's weird. I've never met you, but like, I'm feeling like proud. I'm like, Like, I had a sense of pride when I saw you on there last night. And I don't know, I didn't know if I was blacklisted or anything at Fox. So you'll notice I didn't say anything about this yesterday on the show. We didn't talk about it. No one mentioned it. It wasn't until Tucker's show began that I went on all my socials and put on there that we were going to be on because I didn't want any, who knows, you know, if they're going to pull the plug. I don't know, you know. So, um, but the amount of notes that I've received from folks around the country who are just like, we just feel like your show has been like this best little kept secret for a long time. And we're just excited to see it get out. That's really cool because you know what it really shows is that, um, we have a relationship. It, it, we're not just performing and you tune in for entertainment and tune out when the credits roll, but we're in this, uh, gosh, I hate to say it, given the context mm-hmm. that we've heard it in another realm in the last year, but we really are in this together. Um, at least on this on this purpose that you guys are as invested in this as we are, or at least somewhat invested in it. Um, And that means a lot to us because that shows that um, we've done more. We're doing more than a show here, but we've made a connection and that's the connection we've always wanted to make. So thank you on today's program theology thursday i told you we're going to do a a series of weeks with encouragement after the darkness of nefarious we're going to conclude that and it's appropriate with this being holy thursday of holy week and we have some encouraging notes we're going to share with you for theology thursday next hour we'll have three non-political questions as well um and a lot of other stuff um but before we get to all of that here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. I'm Aaron with an E wearing
2: a bra and this is what happened on Trans Day of Visibility. Oh that was weird. Anywho we'll start with today in coronavirus history. Today is the day the White House Coronavirus Task Force led by Dr. Anthony Fauci started to backtrack on how much stock one can put in predictive modeling. I know my modeling colleagues are going to not be happy with me. But models are as good as the assumptions you put into them. And as we get more data, then you put it in and that might change. Yes, Fauci says those same models which caused us to plunge into 15 days to slow the spread that became 30 days to slow the spread are only as good as the assumptions you put into them. And now news from the border. U.S. Border Patrol released this video showing two adult smugglers climbing the border fence with two toddlers and literally dropping them onto the U.S. side before fleeing, Border Patrol picked up those two toddlers. It's yet another sobering illustration of how out of control and chaotic the situation at the border has become. The video comes after an interview with a Border Patrol officer from over the weekend who described the savage conditions children are subjected to on their way to the border. They know that we're releasing them. They know that right now, there's nothing stopping them. We're not gonna deport them back to their country, so they keep coming in divorce. About a month and a half ago, I was back here talking to one of the little girls. You know, and, and, and I told the, the congressional delegation this, the, the same thing, right? We were gonna send her to the hospital. And as I got closer to her, I noticed that she couldn't speak. And I asked the medical staff what happened. And she's, the reason she was going to the hospital because she had gotten gang raped. And the reason that she couldn't speak was because she had lost her voice in the process while she was getting raped. Those things hit hard. You now I'm a virtual agent, yes I am, but I'm also a father. And it hurts because my daughter is near the age of that little girl that I was talking to that she was going to be sent to the hospital to get checked because she had been raped. And those, those are the, some of the stories that we hear. And now we turn our eyes to Georgia, where the state just passed a new voter ID law that would make it harder for Democrats in the state to steal elections. Naturally, leftist companies like Coca-Cola and Delta, both based in Atlanta, released statements recently calling the law, quote, unacceptable. President Biden also pressured Major League Baseball to move their all-star game out of the state as well. And now we play Adventures in Pandemic Headlines from The Atlantic. We'll start with this one published this morning, quote, The Pandemic's Wrongest Man. It's a hit piece on one of the original lockdown skeptics, Alex Berenson. Let's look at some other pandemic pieces from The Atlantic, shall we? Georgia's Experiment in Human Sacrifice. The state is about to find out how many people need to lose their lives to shore up the economy. Then there's this one. Do Americans understand how badly they're doing? In France, where I live, the virus is under control. I can hardly believe the news coming out of the United States. French Prime Minister Emmanuel Macron just announced another month-long lockdown for the entire country, by the way. And then there's this from The Atlantic. The debate over school safety is no longer relevant. Even in places where schools want to reopen, too many teachers are sick or quarantining for classrooms to operate and substitutes cannot fill the void. And finally, Dr. Jill Biden showed up for a Spanish test and forgot to study.
3: So say it with me!
1: The future is ours. Thank you.
2: And that's what happened while we
0: were away. <laughs> yes, stewardess. I speak Speaks jive. Yes. Oh, you ever go to a
1: barbecue joint and the next day you're still digesting all of that meat? Or you ever watched Jill Biden try to speech, uh, speak Spanish and you're still digesting all of that jive? Uh, If you know that feeling, we just had it. Uh, Here's a tip for you. Drink red wine. Not only does it taste great, but red wine actually makes you digest meat more effectively. In fact, in some studies, it even makes red meat healthier. Now, not all red wines are created equal, though. You don't want one that's mass marketed full of chemicals, pesticides, additives. Instead, you want to check one out from the Extreme Altitude Malbec from Argentina An extreme altitude means grapes grown at 9,000 feet, fed off of pure snow melt, no excess chemicals, notes of blackberry, leather, smoke, dark cherry. Uh, Here's another note. It tastes really good. It's good. It's clean. The three of us have each... Uh, taking a bottle home to our respective homesteads and enjoyed it. It's from the guys over at PatriotWine2021.com. And they've got another special shipment of these wines in from the third highest vineyard in the world. Third highest vineyard in the world. You can get 50% off if you go there today. 50% off when you go to Wine. 2021.com. Again, that's PatriotWine2021.com. In the overtime today, we are going to discuss that it is time for red state governors to go to war against woke corporations and call the bluff. Hey, fine. You guys can all take your your hubs and your events to the uh, five or six woke states that are the most invested, that are high tax, high regulated. There's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. It's time. It, 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 everything's a zero-sum game now. It's time to say, like in Tombstone, I'm your Huckleberry. We'll get into that coming up in the overtime today at blazetv.com dace. Again, that's blazetv.com dace. We'll record that overtime right after today's show for our Blaze TV subscribers. They'll be able to watch it there later today. Or if you want to become a Blaze TV subscriber, that's where you can go to get a discounted subscription at blazetv.com dace. Um, let's talk about what's happening at the border because if it if it weren't if it weren't for the last year this would be one of the worst government caused calamities mistakes damasseries in the history of our of our country. And it just so happens that right now it's like the B side, but it's on, it's on the same 45 record, if you know the reference I'm making from back in the day. it's But it's the B side right now because we, we serve a government that wants to let a bunch of COVID-infected people in while claiming we still have to wear triple masks and maybe the kids can't go back to school or you can't sit outside in a stadium. As we told you yesterday, Monday, was the first time in a statewide desert known as nevada that you could go to a park and play pickup basketball meanwhile you could sit in the uh lung lung dart haven known as the casinos for months and months and months and months and months and who was the gentleman we had on from the federalist last week um i want to make sure john
2: daniel davidson thank you
1: um I thought he made an excellent point that I want to reset for you here on this show, but I wanted to make sure we weren't given credit for it. This was his observation. In fact, he, he actually gave us this answer uh, while uh, checking my question, my, because what I asked him was, is this actually operating the way that was intended? Are they Are they... You know, we, went, we just had the Cloward-Piven presidency under Barack Obama. And again, for those of you that don't know, you remember that term in the Obama years. Cloward and Piven were two married professors, I believe, at Columbia University, where Barack Obama attended. Um, and their plan was essentially to wreck the, uh, the constitutional system that Americans would never voluntarily give up on their own because everybody was way too free and prosperous with it. All right? So they knew the American people would never give this up on their own, so their plan was to just, it's the Rahm Emanuel statement, never let a good crisis go to waste, just create a series of crises, and this is why you see left media and, and spirit of the age messaging, everything is a crisis, this is why, everything is a crisis, in the hopes that, These crises create a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you go back to Obamacare with the public option and everybody said um, at the time, well, that'll destabilize the health insurance industry. And some of us said at the time, that's exactly what it's designed to do. It's designed to be a bridge, to get you to single payer, to say, hey, why would I pay United or, or Principal or Blue Cross this premium when I can just pay Uncle Sam a cheaper premium for, yeah, it's maybe a, a little less coverage or a higher premium, but and, you know, unless I'm dying of a heart attack, I'm not really worried about it, and I'm going to save a boatload of money, I'll just deal with Uncle Sam. It, it was meant to do that. That was the point of it. And then when the public option became politically untenable, they couldn't get Obamacare passed. Even with a filibuster proof Democratic Senate, they couldn't get Obamacare passed with the public option because that was such an obvious, obvious Cloward Pivot play. They just loaded it up with regulations that would eventually cause our premiums to skyrocket anyway. That's, as the Joker said, all part of the plan. It's part of the plan. This is on purpose. We're not watching flaws. We're watching features. Yes, they're not bugs. That's right. This is this is the reboot. This is the way it's supposed to work. Okay, and so you do this with everything. You create. You want to. You want to reset. Pardon the expression. Um, then you create a series of crises that become untenable, and therefore you force people to accept an option that, without the existence of a crisis, they would have never accepted at face value. Because it's a it's a crap deal. It's a crap sandwich. And so I asked John Daniel Davidson over at the Federalist, is you know now that oh, Biden is in office, this is essentially the third term of Barack Obama. Is this the Cloud pivoting of the border? That hey, if you want open borders? Show that it's unenforceable. And his answer to me uh, in disagreeing with me was brilliant and caused me to rethink my own viewpoints of what's going on down there. He said that won't work here. Because when you when you get into the situation with government systems and trying to override them to generate a a different outcome, that's a one-on-one transaction between you and your government, between a state and the government, between you and the state, all right, between a local government and the state government. It's a one-on-one transaction. There's no variable there, and so it's easier to control the chaos to 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 to, um, to to. Guide the herd where you want it to go to, you know, to trample the the land. But when you're dealing with the border, it's loaded with outliers and variables. And now you're herding cats. You can't do it because the reality is, and this is, and he said, this is what this crisis has exposed. Because this is a legitimate crisis. He says what this one has exposed is that it's not a one-on-one. The government just won't defend the border for cheap labor. We're not in control of the southern border. Drug cartels, human traffickers, and a series of other third parties are large are de facto in control. And they operate outside the jurisdiction of the one-on-one transaction between you and your government. And what what this process of, of saying all come hither has exposed now. I was just, you guys heard me on the phone with my buddy Congressman Chip Roy this morning. Uh, coming into the office. He was just down at the border again yesterday and just ran into more migrants that are fleeing human traffickers. Uh, That's what this has exposed. This has brought this all now to the forefront. That we're not in control. That it's not just a cynical, ha, 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 we look the other way while the cheap labor just comes across the border. That the percent of that compared to the drug mules, compared to the human traffickers, Compared to the near-to-wells, there's at least, and I don't know if it's 10% are bad actors, 20%, 50 80 I have no way of knowing. I don't know that, frankly, we may not know. But there is some percentage of bad actors in, that are in de facto street justice sort of gangland style in control. Like an old mobster movie where there was, there was, they still had mayors and sheriffs and chiefs of police, but it was really the Don in the corner that was really running the town, right? That's what the southern border is. And so when you take away those restraints, all of this now is being brought to the surface. And what's happening there is criminal. And it goes even beyond the, the crime against us as a sovereign people. That's, that's terrible enough on its own. But to dangle this in front of these folks who think that, I mean, this is still the best place in the world to live, man. I, I'd do a lot of things to get the hell out of Honduras and live here instead, wouldn't you, with your family? Oh, of course. Yeah. And to dangle this out there in front of these people who then go there to get their daughters kidnapped, raped, sold into human trafficking, it's so freaking evil that this goes even beyond the crime against our own national sovereignty this has become a crime against humanity guys you have any thoughts
0: I I, when I said it's a uh, not a flaw it's a feature it go and this goes all the way into the guts of the constant perversion, of what it means to be fundamentally human, what grace means, because look, there is video. It was children being pulled away under Donald Trump. Evil, evil, evil. Now we have images of these children being thrown over fences the, uh, adults saying they're coming here because of joe biden and then the church is actually with catholic charities money is going up taking these children and starting to spam them out into the rest of the country the church is doing that yeah we've lost total control
1: we'll come back let's look at florida's aggressive vaccination effort what is the data show about the results we'll talk to somebody who knows it next If you're struggling with stiffness, pain, soreness in those joints, those certain uh, pesky muscles. Now, again, as I always say when we talk about Omega XL, if you've got an injury, go get medical treatment. But if you've got chronic pain, stiffness, and soreness, that's likely inflammation and you need a real good anti-inflammatory, but particularly one... That um, doesn't put a bunch of other chemicals and stuff in your body at the exact same time. Well, That gives you a natural way to push back against that inflammation before it causes even more serious problems. And that's why you want to look at a product that I use called Omega XL. It's backed by 35 years of clinical research. It does more than those topical creams or pain relievers. And hey, those do work. That's why they make so much money selling them. Uh, and sometimes in a pinch, you know, you have an instant pull and you got to go on with the rest of your day. You got to slap some of that stuff on there. Been there myself, but that's not how you can long term deal with this stuff. I mean, for me, it's a left hip flexor. I mean, if I just put on a topical rub every day, I came in, you smelling like Ben Gay all the time. You know, These guys would fire me. All right. So you want to deal with the actual inflammation and that's where Omega XL comes in. If you want to see, if you don't see the results I've seen. Right now, we offer you buy one, get one free at OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Buy your first bottle, get the second one for free at OmegaXL, just like it sounds. OmegaXL.com slash Steve or call them. Uh, If you're old school, you want to do it the old-fashioned way. 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. I mentioned yesterday to our good friend Daniel Horowitz, Uh, Over at uh, the conservative review podcast that uh, our plan was originally with the vaccine efficacy uh, debate was just to let this play itself out more in real time and observe more real time results because we got emergency authorizations of these vaccines. So they they, it wasn't like they weren't human tested or trialed at all, but the, the level of scrutiny that it would typically would be seen, which can take months, if not years to bring a product like this to market, we didn't see this time uh and so uh, you know the real-time results are even more important now because this is a this is a more extended and public human trial so we our original intent on the vaccine debate was just to let these things play themselves out for a period of a few months and let's just see what we see do we see you know uh, the right uh, trend lines do we see eventually the side effects that we have read some about uh are overblown and go away or are they more serious time's on our side right well Now we're talking about vaccine passports and with everything else. Now this now becomes a public policy debate beyond just a healthcare one. And now we do need to look more closely and uh, intimately uh, and and immediately at the data than we had previously planned to on this show. And that's why, if I'm going to look at data, man, I'm going to go to one of our new friends on this program. Uh, Kyle Lamb joins us. Uh, Data guy, extraordinaire, knows his stuff. Was a huge asset to us this past year, looking at a lot of the COVID data around the country. And now he's uh, down there with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and he's got a handle. Uh, They've they've had maybe the most aggressive vaccination outreach in the country, obviously, with one of the largest senior uh, elderly populations in the country. So, Kyle, it's good to have you back with us here on the show, brother. How are you?
3: I'm well, man, and and I'm excited to be on the show with a best-selling author now. So congratulations. <laughs> to, uh, you guys killed it. I uh, haven't been able to make it through the whole book yet, but uh, I've got through a couple chapters and really, really impressed with it.
1: Thank you. And uh, your boss has the front cover endorsement, and he's on the front lines against COVID stand. So uh, uh, by all means, please pass along our regard. I'm guessing it helped us sell at least a book or two. I'm guessing. So thank, thank hurt, him right? for that. No, it can't hurt. So... We're going to take a 360 degree look at these at the vaccine efficacy debate. All right, because and, and first of all, do you agree with the premise I just asserted that our original plan was just to let this play out and let's just see what we see? but now if they're talking about essentially using this as a coercive tool of government we can't sit around now and just kind of wait and find out we're not afforded that luxury if they're telling us that we may create a second class of citizen over these vaccines i think we kind of have to look at this now in the in the immediate what are your thoughts on that
3: well so i want to say up front I, i do agree with you steve and i think this is important because if we accept the premise that the vaccines are working and obviously my stance is that they are then unlike you know the discussion about masks where you know we talk about mask you you don't wear the mask to protect you you wear the mask to protect others right that's that's the that's the story behind the efficacy of masks but with the vaccine this is a completely different situation because your vaccine protects you okay it may not stop you from getting infected but it protects you against the disease, which is really what we're trying to prevent. We're trying to prevent serious illness and the disease, okay? Because remember, there is a difference between the virus and the disease. And so your vaccine protects you. So if we accept the premise that vaccines are working, and I believe that they are, then they're really, it, it makes vaccine passport, vaccine mandates even more pointless. And you mentioned there are a whole other litany of public health factors that come into Uh, what vaccine passports may do to underprivileged populations. I am completely against vaccine passports. I want to make it clear before we go any further in the discussion, Mm -hmm. because I I think you can believe that the vaccines are helping and still be against vaccine passports. So I want to make that clear and make that important distinction right off the bat.
1: So last week, our audience heard from Alex Berenson, who... Is kind of one of the OGs here amongst this Rebel Alliance group that we just sort of ad hoc organically formed in the last year of realizing, wow, we're all kind of going, the, thinking the same way. But, but he, he has expressed a high level of skepticism about the efficacy of the vaccines. And a, lar- a lot of his analysis is based off of what he has seen out of the data out of Israel, which is the most vaccinated, aggressively vaccinated country in the world right now so i wanted our audience to get a second opinion pardon the expression uh, but i wanted to get a second opinion from somebody who's on the front lines of what's probably the most aggressively vaccinating state in the union yours all right so give us first of all the bottom line if if, if you could if in one tweet you could summarize what you've seen with with your home state of florida's vaccine data what would it be
3: yeah so i would say in one tweet Vaccines probably did not start the decline. I think it was a seasonal decline, but I do think vaccines have shown a higher degree of case decline in the higher ages you go, which suggests that vaccines are probably at least partially responsible for that.
1: Okay. Where are you at with Haas? Hosp- because one of the things we're seeing, for example, we're seeing the same seasonal spring wa- early spring wave on the East Coast. Uh, or the Upper East Coast uh, that we saw last year that kicked off, you know, the the COVID panic. Right now, we're not seeing nowhere near the level of hospitalizations or anything associated with it, okay? So how much of that is we've reached a certain herd immunity threshold, like what they're talking about out in California, for example? How much of that is vaccination efforts? Because New York actually has one of the worst—this will shock nobody— New York has one of the worst vaccination rollouts in the country. So, what did you? What have you seen in your state about what it's done in terms of reducing hospitalizations and things of that nature?
3: Yeah, I, I can tell you, hospitalizations of seniors are down uh, roughly eighteen percent in the past two or three months. Uh, so that means taking what the number of senior hospitalizations were. Uh, you know, back on, let's say, January 15th, mid-January, when the first wave of second uh, doses started to now, uh, I mean, s- vaccinations overall, or I would say senior cases overall, are down about 90, 91%. Wow. And that may you may say, well, again, that's seasonality, mm-hmm. but when you look at non-senior cases, non-senior cases are down about 70% in the same time. So we are seeing a higher degree. And by the way, this is not just Florida. I'm looking at other states that provide this data with case files. Ohio is down, seniors are down more than non-seniors. Uh, you've got Tennessee, Washington. Uh, if you look at the CDC EIP hospitalization uh, hospitalization surveillance, you can see almost a straight line when you do 10 year age groupings going up. 85 plus has the biggest rate of decline in the past two months. 75 to 84 is the second highest. It's almost a straight line up. And we're seeing this in every data set that I'm looking at, not just Florida, but everywhere across the country. I'm seeing similar results where the older the population and the more vaccinated, the more of a decline in cases. And and we're seeing that hospitalizations are starting to trickle in the same way. So it's I think, I think there is evidence that vaccines are definitely working. Doesn't mean that they're the entire story but i think that they're doing some of the job they're supposed to be doing
1: this is the other reason why i wanted our audience to hear from florida because one of i think a, val- a valid point that alex Baronson makes about what he has seen is in-, in israel is that now that they're into the second or the second or third tier of vaccinations and and the younger populations are getting vaccinated now suddenly the efficacy numbers and the side effect numbers are going well, the efficacy numbers are going up and the side effect numbers are going down. And so now everybody wants to uh, he, he's like, hey, now everybody wants to say Israel was a success. And yet when they were focused on seniors, they were not seeing the immediate responses that they had hoped. Knowing how aggressive your state has been in vaccinating seniors and priority populations and in, in, in vulnerable populations. First, I wanted our audience to hear what you guys have seen along those lines. Can you speak to that at all from a data standpoint?
3: Yeah, so there are two really, really good stories here uh, looking at Florida. Florida, the percent and share of cases belonging to seniors has gone from 18% at the start of the year down to about 8% on a seven-day average here this week. So it's fallen by over 10% of of total share of cases. I think the big thing, and this is a really encouraging sign, current active long-term care uh, COVID patients right now statewide is down to 262 that's the entire
1: state wow at the yeah now that's those are in your ltc facilities is what you're saying now to put that in perspective to put that in perspective folks almost half of all COVID deaths in america have taken place in a long have been someone that was in a long-term care facility go ahead kyle
3: add some more perspective that's the lowest it's been since april 8th of 2020 wow and at its peak it was over ten thousand. And it's down to 262 right now. So it's been an incredible, incredible result. And that's the same way nationally, by the way. If you look at the CMS, um, National Healthcare Safety Network, data set for nursing homes, entire country right now, uh, the week ending March 14th had about 962 new cases. At its peak, it was over 33,000.
1: Wow. All right. So first of all, can you tell us what... What vaccine is your state primarily focused on distributing to the people? Can you tell us that?
3: It, uh, as far as I know, it depends on the week, honestly, because the dist- distribution seems to change. But Pfizer and Moderna seem to come in about okay. uh, 50-50 as far as like which the predominant one is. And okay. J&J is a little spotty.
1: Okay. So let's get, to the, the, let's get to where the rubber meets the road then. Side effects. What's your data showing about what you're seeing in those, in those regards?
3: Yeah, look, Steve, I'll be perfectly honest. I haven't examined the side effect issue. Like, I I haven't looked at the data on that. I've been, like, focused on is the vaccine working first and foremost? And I think Alex, you know, is out there. I think he's, I don't think there's anything wrong with him raising the concern about the side effects. I think it's something that people should be aware of. Uh, I do think that there should be informed consent. You know, I I think people should be aware of the risks. But honestly, by the way, I don't mean to like, pitch I,
1: you against Alex. That was not my intent. I just am yeah. trying to give my audience a a, a, a full three hundred and sixty degree view of this. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: No, fine. But I, I just will admit, like I have not looked at the data on side effects, so I, I can't speak to that right now because I really just haven't gone that far in detail. I'm just trying to. I've been focusing on are we seeing results from them, and that's what I've been focused. So I I can't speak to the side effect issue.
1: What did I not ask you that you think our audience needs to know?
3: I, I think I think what I stated at the beginning, it's just like, I, I think when people say the vaccines are working, um, I think we're not, I think those of us that believe they are, I just wanted to reiterate, I don't think vaccines started this decline. I think it was seasonal. And I don't think that we can attribute the uh, entire decline to vaccines. Like, for instance, in the state of Washington, uh, in the state of Tennessee, Ohio, You're seeing a 50 percent decline even with the with children, which, you know, obviously are not being vaccinated. Uh, So so we're not attributing the entire decline to vaccines, but you do see a progressive uh, increase in the decline when you go to older age groups. So I, I think it's important to make that distinction. It's not all because of vaccines, but I do believe it's helping.
1: Kyle, thanks for, uh, your work. Thanks for sharing some of this data with us on the show. And I mean, all the work you've done in the past year, I I told you when they hired you down there, they made a smart hire and, uh, you have proven me right about that. So thank you very much, man. Take care. All right. Thanks, Steve. You bet. He's not bad for a Buckeye. So thoughts on that conversation, Aaron, what do you think? So, you know,
2: I, I, um, I, I believe that that point that he just reiterated there at the end is very important because we don't want to do what the lockdown governors did, which is every, every time the cases went down, see masks, social distancing right, and right, right. and cheating you out of your very existence or things that uh, are, make life worth living was worth it. And it's working. Uh, so I, I think that's very key. I, I think. Guys, the only way we're truly going to be able to, and I don't know if we ever will be able to get this because it's it's a pretty um, complicated data set in order to produce if it exists at all. The only way I think we're really truly going to see vaccines efficacy overall is if you have a group who do not use or do not have access to vitamin D on the regular, yeah, things like that. yeah, and those who do. And what are the difference in vaccinated in those uh, those two groups? What are the differences in and they have things. to
1: be the vitamin d people have to be have to have an active lifestyle as well
2: and active because you have the style. fat soluble
1: yeah. f- soluble factor yep. with vitamin d that if you're morbidly obese and take a vitamin d it just gives it gets absorbed into your fat and so there, there's a combination of those two things there right
2: correct and so that's a that's a really <laughs> difficult study to produce i would think anyway mm-hmm. so i don't know if we'll ever get that a- answer um but on the other side you know i Say what you want to about the vaccines. Anti-vax, vaccine skeptic, vaccines are great. Um, uh, You know, saying, you know, I'll I'll reluctantly get a vaccine. Um, Hats off to Florida, though, for prioritizing, since we have one available, prioritizing those who this virus targets the most and doing it very effectively. Hats off to them.
1: And you got to be careful you go through the data. Our buddy Daniel Horowitz has a piece out today, Todd, about ivermectin. World Health Organization admits... Uh, that it can reduce COVID mortality by 81% when used as a prophylactic and still won't rec- but still rec- mm-hmm. doesn't recommend using it. I mean, that, that, that's just, so you have an 81% reduction of lethality. I don't know. I'm, gonna, I'm totally fine taking a risk with, a, with a, a medication that's already been approved and on the market for years. That hasn't, gives me an 81% chance of not dying of something. But but so I can't they don't want me to take that risk, but you want me to take the risk of a non-tested mRNA vaccine that's been on the market for a month? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd kind of take my chances with the ivermectin if it was me, right?
0: Well, that's just a one time fix. Vaccination. See, working, this vaccination working, you gotta think out the long term plan. They want this to work every year, just like the flu. That's how they're gaming this out.
1: Well, they're telling you. That's how they're gaming it out. Yeah. Isn't Net, didn't Netanyahu say yesterday you might have to get one of these every six months or something? Yeah. Yeah. We'll come back. Theology Thursday is next. Back with hour two live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Let us know. What you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show, Parlor. Look for those uh, alternatives. You can find Steve Dace there too. And then rumble.com slash Steve Show, YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. That's where you can watch portions of the show for free. Uh, and then also hopefully share those clips with others as well. If you're a podcast listener, thank you very much. We appreciate you. Uh, we would appreciate it though. If you'd show your appreciation for us in return, uh, hit that uh, subscribe button. If you haven't already, leave us a five star review on your podcast platform, because the more of those we get, the more it helps our show to grow. And most of all, it pleases our benevolent overlords uh, down in Dallas at Blaze HQ. So thank you to the thousands of you that have done those two things for us already. Uh, we're going to get to Theology Thursday, brought to you by our friends over at Startmail. You know, free email services like Gmail and Yahoo. Yahoo. You know, they aren't really free. You pay with your privacy. And since those companies have access to every email that you send and receive, big tech can then turn around and sell your data to the highest bidder. That's how they make their money. It's free to entice you to hand over your data to them so they can monetize themselves off of you. That's why you want to trust Startmail to secure your email. It makes you to feel safe again. Startmail keeps your email private, period. Every email encrypted even if the recipient doesn't use encryption which means big tech can't read, scan, analyze, or sell your personal information off your email ever. Not even Big Brother can snoop around. Startmail also prevents government agencies from spying on you like in a dragnet kind of an operation. With StartNet, you can uh, delete and know that it means deleted. When you delete something, when you delete an email, it is gone forever and they use their own service servers. So Amazon or some other big tech oligarch cannot do to them what happened to poor Parler. StartMail backed by some of the stringest privacy laws in the world. You get unlimited anonymous aliases if you'd like. Uh, If you don't trust big tech, Now's the time to start securing your email privacy with StartMail. Sign up today. You'll get 50% off your first year, half off your first year. Those are big time savings, folks. Half off your first year when you go to Start Mail, like start, you know, like start your engines. StartMail.com slash Steve. Start with a T. StartMail.com slash Steve. 50% off your first order at startmail.com/deep so after we spent a couple of few extra months parked in nefarious's dark corner of the world i kind of got convicted that uh, we have uh, we have meddled with the dark forces for a little too long on theology thursday and we needed to shine some light here in the room so for the the last few weeks we have been uh, we shared an encouraging message from a visiting pastor at my church, Ricky Jenkins. Uh, We've just been looking for more encouragement to share out there. We went through the last chapter of my previous book, A Nefarious Carol, which sold quite a few copies but looks pretty pedestrian by comparison of what Fauci and Bargain's doing right now. Uh, But unlike A Nefarious Plot, the ending of that book has a redemptive element to it. And this week, I think I saved the best for last. We get these emails all the time. And if, if I wanted to, I could do whole feedback Fridays just reading testimonial emails like what I'm about to share with you from folks that. Um, and it's not always, hey, you know, I, I came to Jesus. Uh, sometimes it's just, you know what, I, I really thought this God thing was bunk. I'm at least I'm thinking about it. You got me thinking that you can be intelligent not lose your mind and think some of these things. But um, we get inundated with emails from folks that give us the best feedback we can get. When we started this show, uh, it was 10 years ago in February, I left a really good mid-major market job, maybe the best mid-major market radio station in America. News Radio 1040 WHO wins all kinds of Marconi Awards every year. Uh, It's one of the most profitable stations in the iHeart clear channel stable has a great historic legacy. Ronald Reagan was its first sports director. It was a charter heritage station for Rush Limbaugh. The day he signed on, it gives me an opportunity to have a national impact in a mid market because of the Iowa caucuses, um, I wasn't rich, but I'm paid more than well enough to live a nice life in Iowa. And being associated with WHO, you got to go to events and stuff with your family for free. I mean, there was there were there was going to be a worse outcome for the life of Steve Dace than staying there. But when the opportunity came to see, as I used to say, you know, uh, John Boy wanted to know what was what were those big old bright lights beyond Walton's Mountain. When we took that opportunity, um, the vision we had for the show is that we had hoped, if we, if, if we struck out on our own, and we were on our own, it was me and just a group of investors on our own, starting from scratch, nothing, that if we eventually made it, that maybe we could do for a biblical worldview, and this, this was literally our, our mission statement, we wanted to make a biblical worldview mainstream in America again, that hopefully we could do for a biblical worldview I mean, I was a lot younger then. I was in my mid-30s. That's pretty young for a talk show host. So if, if we had struck it successful by being open about communicating a biblical worldview and applying it to the issues and topics of the day, that just like what Rush did for conservatism, and everybody, that's why I got my job at WHO. People are like, man, let's get a local guy that can do some of the same you know, topics and content. And that's how a lot of the local guys got their jobs. All of us, frankly. Even Hall of Famers like Glenn, monsters like Mark Levin, if you asked any of them, they would tell you. Without Rush, none of us have our jobs. From the Hall of Famers and monsters like Glenn and Mark to guys who were enjoying a nice life in a mid-market Des Moines, all of us got our jobs because of the success of Rush Limbaugh. His success caused everybody else to say in the medium, wow, can we get other people that can do at least their own variation of that? And we had hoped that if we ever made it so to speak, that we could do for a biblical worldview what Rush did for conservatism. He showed that it could be pop culture hip, that it could be applicable, that it wasn't unattainable, that it could be fun, that, that he embraced entertainment. You know, we used to quote on our show, as Snoop Dogg once said, dishobene. Okay, so could we do that with a biblical worldview? And that, because from the very beginning, when we've looked at where we are culturally and we believe it even more now, since we struck out on our own 10 years ago, it's even more true we think 10 years later, it's revival or bust for us as a people. I have to fight the temptation just to drop multiple F-bombs on Twitter every day. Because I don't know, I'm human, I'm sorry. I don't know how else to react to CNN saying, we don't know biological sex, no one believes it can be determined at birth. That's so crazy, it's so insane. It's so evil. I don't... I, don't, I can't argue. I, I I don't know how to William F. Buckley that. I don't know how to St. Paul that. I don't know how, how to Augustine that. I mean, so, some of the stuff we're facing today, I think if, if the church... If, if Arrhenius was here, he's like...
0: Paul went out. <laughs> yeah, I got,
1: I got nothing for you. You know I mean? Not even the Zoroastrians thought you could change your gender. I don't know what to do with that. Okay? I mean, I don't know. I get, Nothing. Nothing for you. I mean, we created eunuchs. It was a penalty. All right? So... I got me. Back to the grave. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm human and I get angry. And... To avoid that happening all the time we we like as often as we can to lead with the gospel on the show because that's the only antidote to this revival or bust but that's particularly true this week for this week commemorates the day the gospel was both revealed in its fullness and confirmed for all eternity and because we've led with that and we apply that to how we analyze the The world and situations, and we're honest, frankly, about our own struggles and, and shortcomings in those areas, uh, folks. I, I can't and and don't live up to the standard I'm 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 trying to call the nation to. I, I can't do it. I just told you I have to fight the temptation to just drop twenty f bombs on Twitter every day at the level of evil and stupidity I'm up against. I can't argue against it. It's so dumb. It's so bad. I, it's just like it needs to be like cursed. You feel like in the in the harshest terminology you can come up with. So that's the tension here is none of us can even live up to and are perfectly living up to the very standard we are trying to call the country to. And that's why we need a savior. Because he already lived up to that standard for us. And over the years, we have gotten a voluminous amount of notes from people talking about the impact we've had on them in this area by letting them share our walks with us here on the air. And I thought today for Theology Thursday, I've never done this before, but I'm going to set aside some time and I'm going to share just a series of these testimonials and just let them speak for themselves and stand on their own. You guys cool with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This first one comes from Kathleen and Brian Anderson want to thank you guys from the bottom of our hearts. We just wanted you to know the impact that you guys have had on our lives the last couple of years. We first heard of you on Glenn Beck's show. Don't even recall what the topic was that day, but it was several years ago. What stuck with us was the way you articulated your thoughts in a Christian worldview approach of life and culture. We've been huge fans ever since we listen every day. The reason we say a big thank you is because you were key in bringing us out of a spiritual desert that we'd been in for several years. We're evangelicals. Uh, We've been in the church since birth. We're both children of ministers. We've served in the ministry ourselves as youth pastors. Um, But we've been discouraged by the behavior of some of our pastors in the past. We didn't give up on the church until our last ministry position you see the senior pastor a man of our age was a great pastor we were drawn to the way he did his ministry his style his love for the lord so when he asked us to come on staff we did I'm, i remember sitting in his living room and telling him directly i'm afraid to get to know you too well because i don't want to be disappointed again our pastoral staff became very close over the years great friends he was a mentor to us of sorts Fast forward a few years and rumors started about the pastor and a woman that attended the church and we saw that his marriage was struggling. We were also close with his wife. To keep things short and sweet over the course of a year, being on the front lines, we dealt with many rumors. We were very loyal to our friend and pastor who denied everything over and over again directly to us, the church and the board, as did the other woman. We had silence from his wife even when we directly asked how we could help her we had a church board that would not share or communicate with the staff we tried to deal with the situation as biblically as we knew how after a good year of this he resigned to work on his marriage we chose not to stay on staff as well we were no longer in unity with the church board on how these things were handled. We stayed loyal to our friend for many more months. He and his wife then officially separated. Then we received the text message from him that he was moving into the sunroom of the other woman's house, who he still denied having an affair with. We knew we had to walk away from him. He is now remarried to that woman. The betrayal we felt on many levels from him and church leadership was beyond description. We went into self-preservation mode for several years. We never fully walked away from God, but he felt distant for a while. And that's where you guys come in. When we started listening to you, we were blown away by your approach. It was like a Bible study almost every day between the three of you. Uh, So many nuggets of truth. You guys, your show has slowly helped us come out of our seven years in the desert, so to speak. We started listening to messages again online. We started going, in fact, to your church in Iowa. Uh, We've been to a local church a few times in person now. Uh, and it's a great church. Um, thank you for the way that you guys do what you do. You bless us daily. So please keep carrying on and don't be discouraged. The impact you guys are having on people's lives is immeasurable. That uh, This next one is from Peter. Uh, he says, uh, I owe you guys a big thank you. I began listening to the show during the 2016 primary and continued ever since your show, generally in your Theology Thursday segments in particular, started a slow churn in my heart and mind. It introduced concepts, terminologies, and debates with earnest belief and grace towards each other that I appreciated. I'm 39 and grew up a child of divorce like too many in my generation, with a lapsed Catholic father and a lapsed Presbyterian mom. I was never baptized, never regularly attended a church. I got married 11 years ago to an amazing woman who comes from a family of deep faith. I've spent some time attending regularly church with my fa- with my wife and her family. Um, about nine years ago, we had some very serious health challenges with my wife, and we thought we were going to lose her. As husbands, I know you guys can understand how broken you feel in that moment. It was then that her pastor at the time came to the hospital, prayed with me, and for the first time in my life, truly opened my heart to Christ. I may not be the chief of sinners like Paul, but I'm certainly in the running. I know I share some of the same temptations to sin with Steve. From that day, about nine years ago until recently, my walk has been uneven. Your show has been an important consistent voice throughout my journey, spurring me to wrestle with what I believe, Um, and what God wants. Life seemed to blow up in February here in Michigan with COVID, marital challenges, my wife's own spiritual crisis, the prospect of a pandemic, and my own spiritual hunger. It caused me to take a hard look at myself, my own life, and my sin. While my wife is struggling with faith, we have managed to strengthen our marriage with the help of some Christian therapists. It spurred me to look for a Bible-believing church, and on July... Uh, I began visiting with a Presbyterian church and have attended every Sunday since then. In recent months, I've been attending a a regular men's fellowship and digging heavily into church history and theology. On November 29th, I made a public declaration of faith and I was baptized. Even though we have never met, you men have helped point the way and keep me from wandering too far from a narrow path. Jesus has saved me, but you guys absolutely deserve helmet stickers for helping me in that process. Uh, this is from Jacob. It says, I've been a regular listener of your show since August of 2019 when a dear friend recommended your Theology Thursday segment. When I first began, I would have called myself a Christian, but I didn't belong to a church, didn't read the scriptures with any regularity, didn't have a prayer life, had personal moral hangups that I actively ignored. Through listening to Theology Thursday every week and at the advice of that same friend who recommended your show, I began attending a church regularly. At the beginning of February 2020, My life changed forever. By the grace of God and through the Holy Spirit, I was able to understand the gospel for the first time and recognize Christ as my Savior. All this is to say that I firmly believe the Holy Spirit was working through you and your show in order to bring me to Christ. Listening to Theology Thursday was an integral part of my journey, and I wanted to express my deepest thanks and gratitude for all the work you guys put into that segment. Since becoming a true follower, I long to see all my friends and family come to Christ and be saved. Some are more receptive than others, and it breaks my heart that many people I love are opposed to him. However, there has been some good news on this front as well. Another friend of mine has recently started listening to your show, and his primary reason for doing so was to catch Theology Thursday. For the sake of brevity, I'll simply say that my friend and I have shared a similar journey thus far in life. This is to say he has a good grasp of Christian ethics and worldview, but he hasn't taken the step of repentance and faith in Christ. I know I'm the only, I know I'm only one man up here in Canada, Toronto to be exact, and there are undoubtedly more pressing concerns on your plate, but I have one humble suggestion for a future Theology Thursday. Since my friend is listening to your show and has not yet humbled himself to Christ, I was wondering if the segment could have a renewed focus on people's need for Christ. For example, the episode you did once about the 10 points of Christian Orthodoxy and the episode you did tracking your Bible study were deeply edifying for me. In fact, almost every Thursday from August tw- uh, through of 2019 to March of 2020 was fantastic. I always came away with a longing to learn more and a zeal to discover the truth. And that is from Jacob. Yeah, Jacob, I think we can uh, get around to honoring your request at, at some point in the future. Let's do one more. I mean, I could do a lot more of these. But but let's do one more. This is from Kim Nason. She writes, this month I turned 40. It has been a long, strange year. Before COVID hit, I was finishing my last semester for my Master of Arts in Teaching. I was placed at a high school with the government teacher. He was the first to truly red pill me and really helped to get me interested in politics. He was a conservative and religious teacher working in public education. Soon I began that, and this is where Todd's now going to remind us, don't just hand this completely over to the state, right? (laughs) Soon I began to listen to people like Ben Shapiro, uh, which led to friends suggesting I listen to people like Glenn Beck. And that's how I found you guys. And then I downloaded a nefarious plot. And that was the defining moment that changed the trajectory of my life. I was raised in a non-religious house with my mom and one of her three different husbands. I knew the bare minimum about Christianity, much of it influenced by mass media and public education. Once COVID hit, I couldn't deny the truth you guys share daily, day after day. I remember you were advertising for a homeschool online program. I began thinking about homeschooling being that I just got my teaching license and saw saw what education uh, was or wasn't doing. I pulled my kids uh, from the school, brought Christian homeschool a curriculum as I began learning alongside them about God. The urge to want to know more keeps growing. So I signed up for free online courses through Hillsdale College, started watching things like The Chosen, doing interactive Bible studies. I just wanted to share my story with you because you guys have changed my entire outlook and given me the greatest gifts one could ever ask for. I'm finding myself as a child of God and bringing my kids along with me. Every day I look forward to Aaron's montage and the three of you bantering back and forth. Do you have any recommendations on learning more about critical thinking and logic, or books I must read? Um, I, I plan on getting a Steve Dace hoodie soon so I can promote your show everywhere I go. Yeah, there's a ton of books we could recommend on critical thinking. But since you were into a nefarious plot, which in and of itself is a work of critical thinking, let me give you the OG for me of critical thinking books. See, I think the reason, Kim, that nefarious plot worked on you is that often we use ignorance of or opposition to the gospel as an excuse of to not acknowledge evil for what it really is and who it really is. And so I wrote Nefarious Plot in a way to give it to you unvarnished, unfiltered. I mean, there's no chaser here. And basically, to literally scare the hell into people. I, that was the point of Nefarious Plot. In fact, maybe we should use that tagline for the movie, come to think of it. We'll scare the hell into you. Um, But I I wanted to do that. So let me give you a book that did that for me when I was a kid. And for many years, I would read it annually. It's been several years since I've read it again. We quote it and cite it on this show multiple times. But if you truly want to understand the mindset of the spirit of the age that you're up against, how it operates, the way it thinks, the tactics it will deploy... Animal Farm is one of the greatest works of critical thinking in the history of Western civilization. I, 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 I couldn't recommend it more highly. And since you're already on the gospel road, this is not a gospel book, although it, it does one heck of a job of, of piercing the veil and showing you the way those with a non-gospel belief system, if given power and control, will behave. But since you're already on the gospel road, let me offer you something that's more of a gen, more generically philosophical. Animal Farm is one of the greatest examples of a, a critical thinking books of all time. And then when you get through that, then you know, email me again, and I'll I'll recommend some others. So I I, I just chose those three, kind of as um as archetypes of what we get on our show frequently, and. I mean that's the best feedback we could ever get, um, because it's the we didn't get into this business to take down Anthony Fauci. We did we didn't know what an Anthony Fauci was when we got into this business. We we got into this business, um, to offer our audience reasons for the hope that we have. And, you know, I chose that first note because the, the lack of authenticity. See, if I could speak to Brian and Kathleen and others that have run into this too, you know, we, have, we talk about three-dimensional thinking and that third dimension. What do other people think, what do other people believe about what we believe? Sometimes people have had have been disappointed and broken by someone claiming the, the name of Christ or a, a church. And that is the justification they use in their sinfulness, and it's a powerful justification to not return. But we would never know that if we did, just treated them like a construct and didn't get to know them, didn't make a connection, didn't understand their story. What happened with your pastor, I believe, And and the reason you left wasn't the immorality. Because I can promise you that pastor had been immoral before. Maybe not in this way, but he's human. You know, Jesus said to look at a woman with lust was the act of committing adultery. I just confessed to you, I struggle in my mind with the sin of vengeance lashing out daily. I'm not any better because I don't, I'm not any better in the, in the, in the law of God. I'm not any better because I don't tweet those things. The fact that in my heart I'm thinking them condemns me. I don't tweet those things because it would look bad for the mess image of the show. It would, it would reflect poorly upon the play, the blaze is a platform, but that's a different standard. According to the law of God, the fact that that's, that, that, spite is in my heart condemns me of sin even if I don't show it to you the problem your pastor ran into was the lack of authenticity he wouldn't look in the mirror and admit what he was he wouldn't confront his issues like his father, his first father Adam, he fashioned a fig leaf well I'm moving to the sunroom, it's a private issue we're working on our marriage wasn't honest about it We're, if anything, painfully honest. Don't put me on a pedestal. Because when I'm not writing, co writing, the number one best selling book in the country, I'm a guy named Steed that struggles not to notice every pair of yoga pants that gets walks into a Planet Fitness in the morning. I'm just a guy. What makes us different and unique is. Him working through us. There's nothing different, special, or unique about any of us. He's just Todd. I'm just Steve. He's just Aaron. Don't put us on the pedestal. We'll disappoint you too. We'll be guilty of a lot of things. Lack of authenticity will not be one of them. If anything, we may give you too much of it. But that lack of authenticity is what reminds us of ultimately who's the plumb line here. Who's who's in charge here. And and that brings us to the note that if we connect the dot, Peter, that brings us to your request. This is why for your friend, if he's listening right now, or for others like him, it's not enough to just know the ethical standards. Try all your might, you will not keep them. It's impossible. You're a sinner. This is why it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. The hope of glory. And anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. That's why you need that relationship. That's why you need that personal repentance. If I could sum up the, the Martin Luther's introduction to the 95 Theses, all of the Christian life is a life of repentance. Todd would say as a Catholic, the point of the Mass is a reminder Of our need for repentance. What was done for us because of us. Correct? Correct. And that's where the personal relationship comes in. Because all of us belong in that tomb that he went to in place of us. Any of us that had gone to that tomb would have not come out. Would have rotted there. He rolled the stone away he walked out like a boss and the last enemy, death, was taken down like a champion. And now through us, despite our brokenness, you know, if your pastor, Brian and Kathleen, had said, I'm really struggling right here, man, I gotta be honest. This marriage isn't going well, I'm not sure I want to be married to her. Due to this time last year, I wasn't sure I was finishing the year married. Okay? It's hard being married to another human being two sinners together forever with all the distractions and temptations it's difficult you know what repentance is significant of Peter to your friend authenticity that's what God is looking for authenticity a real relationship he can cover all of the blemishes but we got to come correct and authentically first Thank you for listening to Theology Thursday. 3 non-political questions next. Some of the other best feedback we get these days is about Our friends over at Built Bar, you know, I shared the note earlier this week from uh, one of our loyal listeners going back to our WHO days, whose daughter is a type 1 diabetic. And that's tough for a kid. You feel like, you know, Uh, the, the ice cream trips, the sweets trips, you know, I I mean, I, I shed a tear. This was the last year, uh, this past uh, Halloween, the last time our kids dress up, you know, and just, uh, plotting out with them how to go get and score all the candy and who got the most wins. You know, I mean, those are some of the great things about being a kid, but a parent too. And if your kid's a type one diabetic, you have to, you know, uh, bypass a lot of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and let's face it, all kids have a sweet tooth. And he found out about built bar through our show. Is it really that good? is it really tastes like a candy bar despite being a protein bar? And then if it is that good, it, it, it can't be that good without being with a bunch of sugar. It's going to, uh, it's going to kick in, uh, you know, into her system. And he monitored her blood sugar levels afterwards and she loved it. Nothing. And he was like, man, I just highly recommend it to other type ones out there. I I highly recommend it to type ones, type A's, any type. All right. Because this is a fantastic product. Uh, You don't have to make the choice between healthy and delicious any longer. You've never had a protein bar this good. You've never had a candy bar this healthy. And I don't say this thing enough, but... You know, with so many additives and stuff put in our foods these days, so many of the pre and probiotics that help with our digestion taken out, there are just so many of us that have digestion issues and things that just didn't exist in our culture 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, and you're always worried about trying something new. This is easy on the tummy as well. Everywhere I travel, I take these with me. You know, when you're traveling and stuff, that ain't a place where you can worry about something that did not sit well in your system. I don't have to worry about it with Bilt Bar. Over 20 flavors, all of them covered in real chocolate right now for spring. They've got a specialty flavor, white chocolate, raspberry, cheesecake. Just sounds like something a mom or a girl would love uh, for spring or for Easter or Mother's Day. Uh, But there's a lot of other flavors out there as well. Give it a shot today. Get 20%, I'm sorry, 15% off. Your first or next order at BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T, BuiltBar.com, just use my name, Dace as the promo code, D-E-A-C-E, BuiltBar.com, promo code Dace. All right, guys, do you want to put a bow on Theology Thursday before we head over to three non-political questions?
2: Yeah, uh, I I just wanted to, to go back to that original email, that first one that you sent and that you brought up later on in the segment. Because as I was listening, to that I was puckering because that's that's the I've heard that story many times. Not that particular one, but the same type of story where somebody who maybe had previously been deeply involved in church, uh, strong in their faith, sees somebody trusted, somebody close, somebody they loved li- living the double life. Um or straight up just unapologetically saying, uh, no, this thing that you're seeing or you suspect right before you is not actually happening. Um, It's only by the grace of God that that story didn't turn out with how so many of them do, which is, uh, this is disappointing. I'm, I'm crushed. So I just need to step away from the faith for a while, or maybe permanently. And so I, one um, praise the Lord that that didn't happen in that particular circumstance, because here's the thing, folks. As we get closer to the day when Jesus inevitably comes, there are going to be more temptations like that. There are going to be more opportunities to have more excuses, and I'm not I'm not trying to take away from the legitimacy of the disappointment. Uh, by no means. But there are more going to be more opportunities to walk away when you see other believers who you trusted, loved, respected, looked up to fall away. Think Ravi Zacharias. There are going to be more opportunities like that. And it's only by the grace of God that we can, that we can hold fast to our faith, not walk away, and continue to hopefully build his kingdom. And that's, that brings us to the, the second part of this. Um, Todd, Steve, and I might be really good on the radio might be really good on tel. Well, no, we're not very good on television, but we might, <laughs> might be really good on podcast. We might be really, really talented. That might, those things might be true. I know it is definitely of Steve, the the mind that God has given him. Um, we're not fit at all. We're not fit at all. We're not we're not fit at all to produce the emails that that Steve just read. We're not. We're just not amen to that. Um, the uh, similar to what Steve said, you look at any if you could see inside my mind, you would be horrified. You'd run away <laughs> if you could see um, the the envy that it comes out uh, of my thoughts. Sometimes the same red light districts that any person with a penis in our culture has. Um, that, that, you know, I have to deal with as well. Um, you would be horrified. Just keep that in mind. Do us a favor, please. Do us a favor. We're not fit to produce that. We might be really. We might be a lot of things. We might be really good on air. We might be really good hosts. Um, I said this a few weeks ago, and I'll say it again now. The fact that that this show somehow is able is able to get the type of response that Steve just outlined in that first segment of Theology Thursday. It's proof that there's a God because we're not we're not fit to do that ourselves.
0: Amen. If you uh, look at the Gospels, there's an important thing uh, to remember. That the period of time between you read, I am Peter on this rock, I will build uh, my church, or you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church, and Satan get behind me, you don't have to read very long to get from one to the other. That's the same dude. Today is Holy Thursday, or Monday Thursday. It's the uh, first day of the Holy Tritium in the Catholic Church. This commemorates uh, uh, the Last Supper, the Eucharist, uh, the priesthood. Do this in memory of me. Well, do what? Specifically, it means a lot of things, but to broaden it out a, uh, a little bit for the purpose of our conversation, endure. Like Alfred says in Batman, And this echoes what uh, Aaron uh, said. Uh, And you do that by not falling for constructs. A lot of you were frustrated with a construct. Uh, Steve wrote a different book, a girl named Ray, who was sick and fell away from her faith because of constructs. The three of us would fall away from our purpose if it were not for constructs uh, if we fell for constructs i've thought a lot of time thinking about why steve gets letters like this and i think you come to this place and you see three dudes in a locker room and we laugh and we're stupid and sometimes intentionally so and we go all over the place and talk about all kinds than of we stuff we should be if we're being yes. brutally honest but yeah. when it comes down to this matter of faith we lay it all on the table we're unapologetic we're very real we don't pull punches Uh, I I think you come to this place because you find a place where there's no constructs. And my God, trust me, that has nothing to do with the three of us, as Aaron said, because I've been a construct as much as any other man, woman or child out there out in my life. So remember Peter's story, because do this in memory of me that he resurrects from the tomb. They all get to see it. And then they get crucified upside down and another and boiled alive and skinned. All right endure do not be surprised when the wickedness comes know the victory is at hand and know that the greatest story ever told has given you example after example after example they're called our saints who have done so and are now praying for you in heaven
1: Three non-political questions coming up here in a moment, brought to you by ScoreMaster. You know, uh, ScoreMaster can be the difference between getting whatever deal uh, they offer you on a home, credit card, or apartment. Or getting the best deal and saving you money and the best terms. How is that possible? Because the average ScoreMaster user can add about 60 points to their score in about three weeks or less. But get this, you can add 33 points sometimes in just a few days. And that could be a game changer. So even if you have a great credit score, Score ScoreMaster shows you how your spending can affect your score to keep that score as high as you want. It even tells you when to pay certain bills that will boost your credit score. No one else out there does that. And ScoreMaster is so valuable, the average person logs in almost five times a month. That's better than online banking. It works because it puts the data the banks have on you that's your data into your hands to clearly show you why you have the score you have and how you can get to the score you want or how to keep the score that you want to keep. So see your points and get your points uh, and get $1 million in fraud insurance to protect your score. To learn more, go to scoremaster.com slash Steve. Again, that is scoremaster.com day show
2: yes three non-political questions trying to escape the vortex that is uh, the depressing nature of western civilization question number one what's on your mount rushmore of books you've written just kidding uh what's on your mount (laughs) Uh, what's on your mount rushmore of life moments to this point uh um and is this week on one uh, is this week on there
1: uh Anastasia being born, Zoe being born, Noah being born. Um and um meeting my wife who gave me those three kids. That would be on my Mount Rushmore. Yesterday was my in-laws anniversary. I texted them, uh happy anniversary. Thank you for making Amy. That was my that was my anniversary message. So those four things would be on my list.
0: Hmm. Well, I'll put I'll put all of that into one condensant m- marriage and family life. Undeniably so. Um. I would. Uh, I would say, my uh, both the passing uh uh of my parents uh as you know my my father died a a little more than a year ago just before uh the covid uh lockdown and uh, i've shared with you what i've got to experience with him as uh, being buried with uh, military honors my mother uh died just a couple months before i was married but got to meet Uh, uh, my now uh, wife and everything that went in uh, to that. And that was hovering over the marriage ceremony itself. So all of that um, somehow, how grace, I just got done talking about enduring, how grace relentlessly, unapologetically, just endures no matter what, if you let it. Uh, And I would say... Yeah, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Uh, I'm going to lump this in there, but along with being on this show, uh, you know, my sense of purpose for, you know, I was a register reporter, and I got there like a year after Steve left. So I never knew Steve then, and I'm listening to him on the radio, and he talks like me, and he thinks like me. And so I just reach out to him, and we just start off this friendship Meet a couple times a year for lunch, talk, I send him stuff, things like that. But how it, and then he asked me to work for him, and then a year after I started work for him, I want you to be on the show, and now we're writing a book together. Again, uh, the, speaking of grace, you know, he, the, he doesn't, I mean, he, need, he needs Aaron flying the Starship Enterprise over that. He does not need me to sit here. It's a, it's a gr- grace that I continue to get to do what I do here. Uh, and this is just the latest. So that's outstanding. And, uh, in the, again, enduring the, uh, I've shared you with the story, uh, but the, you know, when I was uh, at the register and uh, got arrested, it was an opportunity to test my resolve. What do you believe? Dr. Jones, you know, and I, I stuck it out. I won in the end, you know, you're given you know, thorns in the side in life. Um, because God knows if you just go with me, it's all going to be okay. Um, and uh, it, I did come out clean on the other side, even if I didn't though, with a verdict, I felt God powerfully with me all the way along. So, and uh, I'm going to diminish some other run i mean i got to umpire mine i went to professional umpire school and i got chosen i I umpired minor league baseball then i walked away from that because i kind of realized that wasn't the life i wanted to live and i found my family thereafter i mean my cup runneth over so that's what i got
2: very well said i think for me uh day i met bella day we found out we're having a boy now, if we were having a girl, that wouldn't have been on the list. But uh, the day that we found out we were having a boy.
0: <laughs> Is Jesse Kelly writing your material?
2: <laughs> um, probably the day I, I flew solo for the first time or that moment. Because once you get off the ground, you're like, oh, crap, I got to get back down. Um, and it's I don't know. It's probably um, uh, I don't I I don't know what the, the fourth best moment of my life uh, is probably some some combination, some amalgam of uh, just uh, my f- entire family being together at some point, because that's, that happens so rarely now. Uh, question number two, if you were a Major League Baseball player, what position would you play, and what would be your walk-up song?
1: Uh, second base, that's what I played all my life growing up. And um, Rainy Newman's theme to The Natural. Other than John Williams, the sing- something composed by John Williams, the single greatest cinematic score of all time. Talk quickly. Uh,
0: it would be uh, Catcher, and it would be this great country song I mentioned before, and I always forget the name of it, by Luke Combs.
2: Okay. Uh, Let's see. For me, it would be um, Deep Right Field and Year of the Cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh c- <laughs> Question number three uh, from Dan <laughs> Rapko, <right> <laughs> very deep right field. Do you
1: think that aliens uh, beyond the st- parking lot? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you got it. Yep. Yes.
2: Uh, this one is uh, submitted to us uh, by Dan Rapko, who says, "Do you think that aliens from space may have indeed come to Earth, but maybe don't find the human race interesting enough to make contact?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: So they they've just been observing this whole. Yep. When are these guys, frankly, worthy to <laughs> worthy to very passive They're just talking about, Really, <laughs> dude? If we find out there's intelligent life out there and it's even more passive aggressive than we are, I'm out. Okay. If 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 if, if it's even a more we're passive like, aggressive guys, species than me, guys, we're androgynous
2: and even even we know what genders yes,
1: are. Yes, I'm full George Costanza. I'm out. I'm out. Okay, that's, I'm tapping out. Goodbye, cruel world. I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to live in this world anymore. You have 30 seconds. You have an yeah. answer?
0: I don't believe in aliens, but <laughs> I will if th- that's the story.
1: <laughs> Oh, they're up there, man. Just dropping heaters, waiting to see when we're worthy of talking to. That'll do it for today's show. Back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.